It is almost as if we think when the old year passes, we flip the calendar, and it's like all of us, new year, new me, Martha said. I think uh, she and I are so much on the same, same wavelength as we were thinking about how to say meaningful things about what it really does look like to take steps into the new year with Christ. And to do that with some honesty about where we've come from and some hope about where we're going and just kind of some truth talk about how it all works. Uh, So I'm glad you're here today. I um, have kind of been stewing and reflecting in the last week or so about us and our life together. And today we're going to spend some time kind of guiding ourselves through some reflection about the year past and uh, some hopefulness and reflection, creating space for the year ahead and thinking about where God's at work. Uh, next week, we'll come back together and look at that more in a corporate sense, in the life of the church, where we sense some of the things that we're noticing and where God is, God is leading. But today, I hope uh, to create some space in case you hadn't. This is the first Sunday of the new year. I don't, it seems like we've been in 24, 2024, like a lot longer than that already, doesn't it? Like, right, like the first week was like, right? And, but there was still, this is the first Sunday. Uh, And so um, it is easy to charge into that kind of, let's go, let's go, let's go. uh, Or to do some whiplash out of like totally down out of the holidays and then right back into it maybe. Uh, But uh, Parker Palmer has uh, a way of talking about how spiritual growth works. He says that our souls are like wild animals uh, in the woods, And the worst thing to do is go out charging into the woods, yelling for our souls to come out, which is almost exactly what we are maybe tempted to do when we think of New Year's resolutions or like our spiritual life. We're going to kind of charge into the new year and yell for our souls. Okay, all of a sudden we're going to like do all these things. And the more uh, the more appropriate and the more faithful approach is to quiet ourselves, to go sit under the tree to let our souls come to rest, and to listen for God to speak. And so hopefully uh, we will have the chance to do that today. Today uh, we create that soul space and um, are going to consider God's work and to think about uh, the covenant that God makes with us, to think about how profoundly our lives are shaped by that covenant where God from ages ago said, You're gonna, I'm going to be your God and you'll be my people and then we say yes to that in some way. Today, somebody joined the church at our 815 service, and she said yes to following Jesus. She said yes to a life of giving us her prayers, her presence, her gifts, her service, and her witness, and then we committed to her. And that's, in a sense, what we do today. We will renew our covenant to God and to one another. We call it our covenant renewal service. We'll end with a very profound prayer where we just say, God, you have all of us, and... Um, whatever that means, wherever you take us, whatever the year holds, we're yours. And, but we, we got to stir up that yes. We don't just say, you know, it's not just words. We got to renew that covenant. We got to renew our yes. We got to stir up our yes from time to time. One of my favorite memories from last year was that we did, for the first time since I've been to Broadway, a, a marriage vow renewal service, which is similar to what we're doing today in our covenant renewal. Uh, and in that, uh, that, that, you know, people have the chance to say yes to their, their spouse again, to renew that yes. And somebody walked in, somebody had been married 35 years, and said, hey, I'm here for the vow reversal ceremony. <laughs> so we've got to be clear about what we're doing. Uh, we do have to renew that yes. Uh, and that might be our membership covenant. It might be 
our baptismal covenant where, so today as we come to communion after communion, you'll have the chance to remember your baptism if you've been baptized or to consider the power of baptism as uh, really calling out of one life and into another, being washed and being brought into the, the fullness of, of, of new life in Christ. And then at the end, I said, said we'll, we'll pray a prayer together. Uh, all in the sort of biblical um, calling to remember, you know, uh, it's kind of used over and over again to kind of pull us back together, to remember, to put it back together versus dismember, which is a very intense way of saying what we all sometimes feel, where life, life falls pulled apart. The biblical call is to remember, to put, help, help God put it back together, and to remember that the one who created the universe and holds it together is the one who created us and holds us together, and to, so to keep our minds uh, and focus on, on Christ. And to make it simple, to hear Jesus say, come follow me, and for us to be able to say yes to that. To hear that invitation that Jesus made to the actual first disciples as the same invitation to us into 2024, Jesus saying, come follow me, and us being able to say, here we go, and recognize that that's what's happening, to put this through a discipleship lens, not just in a spiritual improvement lens that we sometimes do with our resolutions or our life self-help program. This is us following Jesus together and taking the next steps with him together. So uh, I've looked at this a lot of different ways and felt like maybe the best way to do this today is just to look at some scriptures. How about that? That's a real revolutionary thing for a pastor to realize, right? Let's look at the Bible, see what happens. Um, But very intentionally chose three scriptures for us to look at today as a way of thinking about going into the next year following Christ and hearing that invitation and so today, uh, we, as we often do, we say we lis- as we listen to the words of Scripture, we listen for the living Word of God, Jesus Christ, and um, specifically His words and the words of Scripture to us together as we think about the year ahead. When you hear the kids upstairs, by the way, I learned they're either singing happy birthday to somebody or worshiping. So that's what's going on up there. I volunteered in Kids Zone last week because I was off and thought, well, you know, I did never get to go up there and see. So I, I volunteered with the kids last week and feel very much called to do what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so grateful for the people who are called to that. So <laughs> takes all of us, doesn't it? No, great. Somebody said, how was it? Wild and wonderful was my, my response. Wild and wonderful. Okay, so we're going to look at a couple scriptures. The first one is from Matthew chapter 11, starting with verse 28, very intentionally chosen as our first one. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Going to notice that word rest is mentioned twice. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We begin the year here, not in um, the place of anxiousness or angst or lack, but in this starting point, in the invitation to life and life to the full in Jesus. I think we often begin wrong. We, we, we start from a different place. We start from a place of, oh, I need to do this, or I need to do this. And this is another thing on my already overly overwhelming and unattainable spiritual to-do list. Ramped up, amped up. Oh gosh, there's something lacking. And that is exactly the wrong assumption. It is the wrong place to start. It has something to do with my sort of issues. 
where Jesus' invitation is to him, to a place of abundance, to a place of rest, to a place of finding what we need in him with the assumption that what we need can be found. Does that make sense? Not with the assumption that, we, oh, we're always going to turn to be behind and we're never going to get there. We start from a place of a deep breath, of rest. His call on our lives is not another task on that already overwhelming and unattainable spiritual to-do list. He is the one who offers life, has made that available. The very life that is the heart of God, the quality of life that is the life of Father, Son, and Spirit now made available to you, to us. And then to take on this way of living, he uses the metaphor of a yoke. It's not one that we have a lot of point of reference for, but it is the image of two oxen with a with a thing that holds them in a certain way and they're guided in a certain way together. It was a metaphor for a way of teaching or a philosophy in the ancient world. So Jesus is saying, take that yoke upon me, but there's a paradox there because it sounds like work, right? We're going to put you to work. We're going to get you in the yoke and we're going, and that's, it's actually that, but it's, it's surprising that in that, in that yoke, it's, it's a lot, well, it's a lot easier. It's, there, it's not a burden to follow Jesus, It's not a burden to walk in God's way. It is not something being put upon us that makes life harder. In fact, what makes life harder is resisting that yoke. Working against our, being our own worst enemy, this is what sin is, I think, is working against that way of Jesus that would make our lives come more fully alive. What we find ourselves doing is biting the hand that feeds us, resisting the one that would help us. Jesus says, come to me out of that place of burden, out of that place of of lack, and find something else. And so reflect on for this a moment, what does that look like? Because... Uh, the yoke image really does help us. Though we don't, most of us don't have oxen in the backyard to help us see this, we can imagine nevertheless being on one side and Jesus being on the other. And that's the, that's the call. It's to life with him, yoked with him, him in there with us. It is a more participatory spirituality. Your starting point is not Life kind of mm, taking on the burden yourself. The starting point is getting into the yoke with Jesus and him walking alongside us, whatever that looks like. Let me give you how, how I think this could look practically. Um, some years ago, um, I was um, thinking about what I do um, up here, preaching. Uh, and I mentioned, I, you know, if I called to that, I felt called that since I was a kid and have been doing it since I was 18. So uh, in December, it was like 29 years of on and off preaching every Sunday. And so you can imagine that's a joy sometimes. Sometimes it's maybe a, a more of a burden, just kind of week to week, depending on what's happened and, you know, whatever, my own, my own spiritual kind of wrestlings. Uh, there was a point several years ago where I was like, why do I do that? Like, what, what's, what is really going on there? It kind of felt like more of like a burden. And I had to wrestle through. And as I felt stuck and kind of prayed through that and maybe kind of wasn't doing, you know, kind of finding my way, 
I, I realized I was thinking about things wrong. And that's usually what, part of it is just kind of reshaping our thinking about stuff. Uh, I was thinking about this moment that wrong. Like I had to keep coming up with fresh material. I had to have good content or I had to like con convey information in the preaching moment. And I realized that was the wrong way to think about it. What I needed to do instead was to understand that my task, my only task in, in the preaching is to be as fully present to God as possible and fully present to you as possible. In other words, to be in the yoke with Jesus and do the work. But it's mostly about that, we would say, relationship. But sometimes that word gets overused. It means participating, like in the life of God with Jesus by our side. Just be show up for that. Show up for that in my own life and to show up for that in, in, for, for you. To connect. To be present. So reflect on a moment, in what ways are you being called to simply rethink some things in those terms, to be in the yoke with Jesus, to think about the tasks before you from that participatory kind of place, to be fully present to God and fully present to the people in your life. Nothing more and nothing less than that. And to hear that not as another thing that you have to kind of put together, but a thing that Jesus puts together as he walks alongside you in that, to reflect on what helps you make those connections. Uh, because um, Jesus, you know, another place in John's gospel says, here's the way to think about it. I'm the vine, you're the branches. My job, Jesus says, is to course the life of God into you. And your job is to stay connected enough to let me. In other words, whatever fruit we produce in our lives, whatever task in the year ahead, whatever thing that you might think in the kind of performance mentality needs to get done is not something that you have to do. It's something that God does through you. Your task, your task is not to produce something, but to remain, to abide, to connect. So what helps you do that? And can we just kind of talk real for a second? Like, I think sometimes we think about spiritual practices or those things that we're, we're supposed to be doing in the spiritual life, and we think of the ideal person or somebody else's personality, and we kind of plan our spiritual life for them. And I think sometimes nobody has ever told us that it is okay for you to connect with God however you connect with God. Doesn't that seem too basic? You don't have to do somebody else's spiritual practices. You don't have to have somebody else's personality. You don't have to be someone else. God made you who you are, and your personality and the way you operate, the way you work, understand yourself is a great starting point. It's not a burden. All that you need to do is come fully alive in Christ. So if you're not a morning person, don't do morning devo devotions, okay? That's, it's okay, right? Let's just kind of, it's okay, it's okay. And if uh, you're, you're kind of a mover and shaker and you don't sit still very well, then there's probably a more active way to do prayer. And that's okay. If you need to get outside, go outside. Do you, you see what I'm saying? It's just sort of the freedom to know yourself, know your personality, and then say, uh, look for the bright spots. When do you feel connected to Christ? Already. Not like what you're going to do. Already. Where are those spots where God is already getting in there? See, see, that's a different approach to things. Where, when, how, in, in what way? Now, none of this means, and I'm not saying that Jesus will not stretch us. Did you hear me say that? 
I'm not saying that in the next year, being in the yoke with Christ won't challenge us, because it will. A lot. But hear me say clearly that that challenge will never outpace God's abundance. That thing that you're being stretched to do will never stretch you past that place of rest and fullness. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened, and let's do it different. And it is an invitation to come and find that life participating with him. Okay, that could be a whole sermon. We could stop. But let's go to the next scripture from uh, Matthew 6, 31. Again, carefully chosen, the words of Jesus. So, do not worry. That's a great way to start 2024. So, do not worry. And already, you can imagine people in your life, people on the news, people, uh, whatever, the kind of forces at work that say, yeah, but there's good reason to worry. So, listen to Jesus. So, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, or who's going to run for whatever thing? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of those things will be given to you as well. Do you hear that sorting out of all the anxious stuff through that place of fixing our eyes or our attention? The word seek, seek first the kingdom, is a visual word, isn't it? Uh, and here's the thing about our senses, like hearing is, can very much be sort of a passive kind of sensory experience. We, we just hear what we hear, right? Now, some of us say, like my stepdad, um, he um, only hears what he wants to hear and he blames his bad, bad hearing. Oh, I didn't hear that. Well, it's just because you chose not to. But, but seeing is much more, uh, I'm got, I just got him in trouble. Um, I just, uh, seeing is much more of a, a chosen sensory. We can fix our eyes. We can move and look, Right? And that's what seek is. We, we can decide what we're going to look at. And I, so we chose this uh, scripture carefully as we consider our, where our focus and our energy will go in the year ahead. We live in anxious times. And I don't just mean that there is reason to be anxious. I mean that there are people telling you that there is good reason to be anxious and that you need to be more anxious and that that anxiety and fear need to drive you. I think there are forces at work that are making us anxious so that that energy can be channeled and controlled. Tell me what you are afraid of, and I can tell you what controls you. Jesus said, don't do that. Don't worry about the, the things, but seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and if we seek first God's presence and God's guidance, that we will find a path through the things. You know, there's a concept in the world of psychology and counseling called being a non-anxious presence. Anybody ever heard of that idea? A non-anxious presence? Uh, the idea is that we carry into a situation an internal peace. Uh, you know, we, we are in control of our own anxiety, and that's not something that somebody else does to us. Like, we get to decide that we can be non-anxious in our response to things, uh, to be non-reactive to our external environment. We don't have to feed off each other's anxiety. Did you hear that? We don't have to just feed off each other's anxiety. And we can actually set the emotional temperature of the room, the spiritual temperature of the place that we're in. Some people have used the, the metaphor of a thermostat and a thermometer to help us. Thermometers, what do they do? Simply tell us the temperature, right? But thermostats set the temperature. 
And it's just a reminder that that anxiety or lack of anxiety is not something external to me. Like this, I have control over very little, but I do have control over how I respond to things. Now, the idea of being non-anxious has gotten a little bit of negative press. To be a non-anxious presence has gotten a little negative press in the sense that we're human. So like anxiety is part of our life. Someone years ago said, don't be anxious, just be yourself to me. Don't be anxious, just be yourself. And I said, pick one. <laughs> because life has some anxiety to it. To, the idea that you would be completely non-anxious is unrealistic. The thought that you would be completely non-anxious is a completely unrealistic expectation. But the idea that you could be less anxious in 2024, I think is a very much an appropriate expectation. Or as someone said, I'm committed to being the least anxious person in the room. What if your faith allowed you to do that? What if your relationship with God was a commitment to whatever it takes, I'm going to find the connection to what keeps me to be the least anxious person in the room? What does that for you? Deep breathing, prayer, rehearsing our gratitudes. It's you, you, with gratitude, you can't just say, oh, I need to be thankful. You have to be thankful. You have to do the work. It's one of the things that I'm not particularly good at because I always want to race on to the next thing. Pausing at meals to give thanks, creating space in our lives. Part of anxiety is not knowing our purpose, and so staying connected to our purpose lowers our anxiety. We are God's workmanship created like God to create, to create meaning and goodness Maybe you need to be reminded of what that is or what that is now or what that is for the season to pray through this or get other people to talk through this with you. Um, another place where I was dealing with anxiety was uh, in the year 2020. Maybe you had some of that too. We had a really tough, rough 2019 around here. At the end of 2019, somebody said, well, at least it can't get any worse. And so about halfway through 2020, I was feeling stuck and um, was praying through that, trying to figure out sort of probably some midlife crisis in there. Why not? You know, have, have fun. And, um, and I, 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 what I was struggling with, and maybe you, that's why I'm sharing this, was that I just felt like my thinking was like, I just couldn't think my way out of the thing, right? And there's a saying uh, that whatever uh, bad or, or malformed thoughts that got you here are the same thoughts that can't get you out of here. I just felt stuck. I was praying through that, and there's just no one kind of easy answer to that. But I got a call from a friend who was doing, said, I'm, my, my favorite professor is doing a, this kind of educational experience. I want you to consider it. And I said, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him just because I like, I'm, you know, you're my friend, but I'm not going to do that. And I got off the phone talking to this professor and said, oh my gosh, I've got to do it. And here's why. Because what he pitched was a, a way of structuring my thinking to uh, kind of tackle some of the, the, the challenges in a proactive way and then include into that program spiritual direction, so like somebody tending to my spirit, and coaching, some help. And I realized I had come to the limit of what I knew to do in 2020. Uh, and so I did that. And it has been a slow progression into shifting my thinking from all that sort of downward spiral and, and, and into a positive direction. And uh, it's been helpful. Now, not everybody has to do their doctorate to reshape their thinking. Uh, but, but part of that formula is, well, what gets different thoughts in there and different people in there 
and closer relationships where you're going to talk about real stuff. Because part of our anxiety is that we're separated from each other. And the anecdote to that beautifully is that we just simply need to reconnect with one another and create a few people in our lives where we, what we call safe and brave places. Not just where it's okay to be vulnerable, but where it's also okay to be brave and to take risks. And that's not something that you can cultivate with a lot of people, but is something that we can cultivate with a few people. And as we think about our thinking, Scripture is very good to reshape our thoughts, isn't it? So one of the books that I read as a part of that educational experience said, hey, how about focus on Psalm 131? And this is what it says. See if this doesn't, if doing this wouldn't lower your anxiety. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Isn't that beautiful? But I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child with its mother. The metaphor being the baby who's there not because it needs physical nourishment, but because it wants to connect with the parent. But I've calmed myself and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child. I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. One final scripture. As we think about going into 2024, Micah 6, 6 through 8. Just hear these listening for the living word of God, Jesus Christ. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with a burnt offering, with a calves a year old? With, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of olive oil? It keeps ramping up, you see. Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Micah's making a point that that's the wrong direction. So verse 8 sort of says, No, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? And so we end here with a reminder that what God is asking of you in the year ahead is probably not as grandiose as it is in your head. Not maybe with the theatrics and special effects or bold plans or spiritual goals. Not necessarily even something that will be worthy of posting on social media to get someone to like. No grand gestures, but small acts done with great love. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of us. I like this translation, but to enact rightness and to want goodness and to walk in humbleness all as part of our relationship with God. Offering ourselves and all our humanness to the one who made us, offering our broken humanness to the one who took on our broken humanity to redeem it, to find all of our lives as part of this story of God redeeming things and making all things new, finding our story as part of the greater story of redemption. So one of the things we're going to do in the year ahead, this is going to sound really revolutionary, is that we're going to tell the stories of Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus. You probably did not need to come today to, to guess that. 
But all of our scriptures in the year ahead pretty much are going to be gospel texts. There are going to be a few exceptions. But we're going to be in the gospels of Mark and John, telling the stories of Christ, and keep coming to that story, uh, telling the story of Jesus, and then doing another thing, telling our own stories. And we'll talk about that in a lot of different ways, finding our story, discovering our story as a part of that story of redemption. We begin the year affirming that that's the better story, that's the truer story, declaring that we are his and affirming our desire simply to live with him, to walk with him. So we're going to do that today as we come to communion. Uh, in fact, we're going to come to the two covenants, that sh- primary covenants that shape us in our life together before we pray together. One is communion and the other is baptism. And we've talked about a little bit about both communion being our sustaining uh, sacrament, coming to this story, rehearsing the story of God's salvation again and again and finding ourselves nourished by it. And then baptism being the one that we do once, but we can remember. And that's our goal today. As we come out of communion, you'll have the chance to remember your baptism, which is the reminder that we're called out of one life into another and into that fullness of life, that abundant life, that quality of life that is now made available in Christ. So a little, few instructions before we do our communion liturgy. As we come to communion, what we often do is think of this in, in our section. So we have two here and two. You see where the things are? There you go. You're going to come out the right side, and you're going to come. And if you have an offering, bring that. And then there'll be people here serving communion. And sometimes um, uh, we do it different ways, but uh, you're going to have your hands open today to receive the communion, take the bread, dip it into the cup, and receive it. And then we often have people who are anointing with oil. But instead of that today... There are little, um, just little bowls. This is not baptism. This is a way to remember your baptism or remember the power of baptism if you haven't been baptized. And just dip your finger in the water if you want and make the sign of the cross on your forehead and remember that, uh, that you have been brought out of one life and into another. And then go back to your seat to pray. So as we make our uh, spiritual preparation to walk into that, let's join in the words that are on the screen the words chosen for this day uh, that are the, um, the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Let's do this. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life before the mountains were brought forth or you had formed the earth from everlasting to everlasting. You alone are God. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In his baptism and in table fellowship, Jesus took his place with sinners. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce that the time had come that you would save your people. 
by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church. You delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread. He blessed it and broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, again gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance, remember God helping us put it back together. Of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves now. This is our renewing our vow, saying yes. We offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering to us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And in that affirmation, I invite you to pray and those who are coming to serve to come forward. Let us pray. God, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. May they be for us an experience of the body and blood of Christ that we might be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory. We feast together at his heavenly banquet through your son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit and your holy church. All honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.